For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. One more time. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I used to be, well, I still am an introvert. I have always been shy. I have always been to myself in a group. I'd rather not say anything. I'd rather just listen. And I think many of us are the same. Now, some of us are born and gifted with the gift of extroversion. Now, we like to talk. We like to be bombastic. But for the majority of the people that I know, a lot of us are quiet, reserved. So, in the gospel scheme of things, it is hard for us to do ministry. The gospel is the good news. And what do you do with news? You share it. I used to be a paper boy. And the weird things about being a paper boy, well, you got to deliver the newspaper. They didn't tell me about this when I just came to the U.S. I was 11 years old. I spoke zero English. They said, why don't you go and deliver newspaper? And I thought, what do you do? Oh, all you got to do is take these paper and whatever address you see on there, you just put the paper on there. Easy, right? Well, they didn't tell you about what happens at the end of the month. Back in those days, they don't send you the bill. You got to go knock on each house, and this is what you say. Hello, sir. Hello, ma'am. I'm collecting for the Times Tribune. I could not say that. First of all, Tribune is a very hard word for someone who doesn't speak English. Knocking on door of strangers is not something a foreigner would do in a foreign land. And asking for money is the worst possible job you can do for a, a little kid who doesn't speak the language. But I had to do all that. I was afraid. I was so scared. When we are confronted with the gospel, and the gospel literally means good news. And your responsibility with the good news is to deliver it, just like me as a paper boy. And just like me and a lot of you, we are afraid to talk to people. You see, the gospel, we don't make people pay for the news. Because most of us are afraid to talk to people, the gospel stays with us, kind of. And it doesn't go from us. There is something in this gospel. There is something in the Word of God that transforms you and gives you the power to be beyond yourself. I call this involuntary power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It operates regardless of who you are. It operates in ways that you never imagined. For me to stand here to talk to you about the gospel, this is the power of our gospel operating within me.
I looked up here, and I see all of you standing up there. And I know you are very reserved. I know that you are afraid. I know that you have reservations, to say the least. You have not expressed fully the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to talk to you about what the power of the gospel can do in terms of transforming your lives into a powerful instrument that God will use for the kingdom of God. I know some of you don't believe this because you have not experienced. I want to let you know that God has promised. He said in his word here that for in it, meaning in the gospel, there is power that can transform you into an instrument, into a person that God will use for the gospel, to deliver the message of the gospel to all the world. I'm standing here today as an introverted person, it's a very shy person. They used to have a nickname for me. Actually, they have multiple nicknames for me. When I go to visit my grandmother, they call me a unboiled clam. It's pretty close shut. It doesn't open its mouth. When you boil dead, it opens, you know, it's ready to be eaten. So they call me unboiled clam. That was one of my nicknames. When I go back home, they call me a frog that's at the bottom of a well. There's no sound coming from me. I don't say anything. Those are my nicknames. Even in my own family, I'm known as someone who's very quiet, shy, does not say anything. What happened to me? Why am I here? I grew up? No. A lot of people grew up and still are shy. What happened to me? The gospel. The power of the gospel transformed me. But if you hang out with me, privately, away from the worship of God, you will know that I'm also that side person. I don't speak much. I'd rather not. When you mix me with faith and the gospel, you can't stop me. This is the power of the gospel that is in you. What you see here, what you witness here, God has promised to each one of you. You can be the expressive instrument of God. You can be a powerful demonstration of God's power because it is not in you, it is not part of you, it is innate in the gospel. When you have the gospel, this power is involuntary, meaning it operates independently of how you think and what you do, just like what's happening to me right now. This is what happens when I preach the gospel. I don't have this in me. When I talk to my friends, I don't do this. I will be very quiet. I will make suggestions and not statements. But when the gospel comes inside of you, when you worship God, when you lead worship, when that power of the gospel is in you, I promise you this. People around you and you yourself will see this transformation. There will no longer be fear, hesitation, or shyness because it is not you, it is the gospel that works 
in you that cause you to have this zeal and this passion in your work and in your ministry, in your song, in your delivery of the gospel. And that's what I want you to have. Now, what is the purpose of the gospel? The purpose of the gospel, the purpose why God wants to give you this power is to reveal God in the world. God wants to reveal himself. So if you don't see God in me, then the gospel in which I preach to you did not come from God. Because God's purpose is to reveal himself through us, each one of us. You see, when we sacrifice, that speaks of Christ. When we rather not do something because we believe, that speaks to the revelation or the visibility of God in our lives. When your friend said, let's go do this thing, and you say, no, I cannot, because this is contradictory to what I've been taught in the Bible, that is the revelation. That's how God is revealed through you. The power of God caused you to stand up and said, I will not be involved in this sin because my God constrained me. The power of the gospel constrained me. Secondly, the power of the gospel is there to glorify Christ. If my life and my ministry and the work that I do here does not cause Jesus Christ to be glorified, then it is not the power of the gospel operating in me. It is the power of the devil. When you are looking at me today and hearing my words, if Jesus Christ is not glorified through what I'm saying here, it is not the spirit of Christ that's working in me. It is the spirit of something else. And you don't want that. The purpose of the power of the gospel is to glorify Christ. And how is Christ glorified? Through two ways. Number one, through the preaching of the gospel, what I'm doing to you today. Telling you about what it means, the word of God. Not just telling you, but showing you my life, the power of the gospel working through me. The testimony of the witness. Would you listen to someone talks about making money when that person has no money? The person who teach and tell you about something that is real has to live that life. If you and I, we possess the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then our lives should reflect it, right? Doesn't it? If you truly are happy, if you truly are moved by the Spirit of God, then they should be able to see it. You don't have to say, you don't have to convince them. They will see it in you. The Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is doing transformative work in our lives. The two things. Number one, you begin to speak about Jesus Christ and you look like Jesus Christ. You are a witness to that power. The life of Jesus Christ is evident in you. What you say, what you do, how you are, is the witness and the testimony to the power of God. Number three, the power of the gospel is there to save us. That is what the gospel does. It saves us. How does it save us? It changes our hearts. It changes our actions. It changes what's going on in our mind. 
what's in your mind right now? If the gospel changes you, then your mind is filled with the thoughts of God. The Apostle Paul says that if you don't keep the gospel in your mind, in your memory, then it has no effect on you. When you engage in learning something, if that thing that you learn is not in the forefront of your thought, you never learn it. If the gospel is not in the forefront of your thought, you don't have it. Whatever that fills your memory and is not the gospel, you don't have it. If the gospel saves you, then what should fill your head? What should fill your memory? The gospel. Simple as that. What's fill my head? The gospel. Why did I wake up this morning and come here early in the morning? The gospel. The church. The ministry. You. The motivation for me being here alive today is because of the gospel, because of you. Let's talk about the GPS system, the gospel power system. How does it work? Just like the GPS. Some of you don't drive yet, but when you do, you probably will use the GPS. You probably have already experienced people sitting in cars that have GPSs. Let me just ask you this question. Have you been in cars that have GPS and still get lost? Why is that? The GPS can only tell you where to go. It cannot take you unless you have a, a self-driving car. The gospel power system operates pretty much similar to that. The power system tells you what is possible. It cannot make you. It tells you what's possible. You got to follow the instruction for it to operate. Let me tell you about the nature of God's gospel power is that it is automatic, meaning it does not discriminate. Some of you might think that God's power, the gospel power, only works on someone else and not me. The gospel power works automatically, regardless of who you are, where you come from, what gender you are, what nationality you come from, where you've been, what you have done. The power of God does not discriminate. The power of God is like the power plug. What happens when you plug a light into the power plug? It just turns on. That's how God's power works. It does not discriminate. God's power works indiscriminately or involuntarily. In Mark chapter 5, there's a story of this woman. Let me tell you, the woman had a disease, incurable disease. And she knew that Jesus somehow has the power to save. She doesn't know how, but she believes that if she touched him, she would be healed. There were a lot of people around Jesus. She went behind Jesus, and then she touched him. Why would a woman try to press through the crowd and touch Jesus? Because there is no more hope for her. This is her last hope. If she doesn't get healed, she would die. Here's what the story tells you. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue, the word virtue here, 
translated to be the same as the word power. Power had gone out of him. Jesus was not cognizant. He was not aware that he is giving power to this woman. Jesus is completely unaware that this woman is taking power from him. The power that heals, or I call this is the created power of God, works automatically. When you touch Jesus, power comes from him. Just like this woman. And Jesus says, who touched me? When she touched him, power automatically came from him, emanated from him to her. And what did that power do to her? It healed her. This is what the creative power of God does. All you and I have to do is touch Jesus to be healed. It happens automatically. It doesn't matter whether you sin, you were born a slave, or you were in the king's palace. If you touch Jesus, you will experience the power that comes from him. How do you touch Jesus? When Jesus was crucified, he was buried. After he was buried, there is a woman. Her name was Mary. She came to the tomb. She couldn't find him. And she started to cry. This is the only person that understood her. The person that talked with her had value her life and gave her direction. Now he's dead. And she couldn't find his body. She was there to anoint his body, to dress him, to, to pay her final respect to this man that she respected very much. She could not find him, so she cried. Tears coming down from her face. Jesus, in the flesh. When you are longing for someone and you see that person, what do you want to do? You want to come over and hug him, or at least the commentator says that she wants to hug his feet. There is a human connection in this relationship that we have. She wants to come over and touch him. And you know what Jesus says? Wait. Don't touch me. Why didn't Jesus want her to touch him? What do you think? He gave her an explanation. And he says, I have not yet ascended to my father, which is your father. He is explaining to her how things will work from here on out. He is telling Mary, Mary, I know what you want. I know that you want me to be here, but listen, I cannot be here anymore. This is it. From now on, you need to come to my God, who is also your God, my Father, who is now your Father. The Bible tells us that we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So when Jesus is rose from the dead, it is not Jesus' father, it is not Jesus' is God, it still is, but now he is our father.
Father and He is our God. Jesus says, you don't have to touch me, Mary. You don't have to touch me. You can touch me by doing this. Go to my brothers and tell them what you have witnessed here. The way we touch Jesus today. How we touch Jesus today is not by touching Jesus because he isn't here bodily, but he is here. Through our witnesses, we touch Jesus by witnessing to people about what we have seen. That is how the power of the gospel transmits through us. Does that make sense? You're not holy, so don't touch me. That's not what he's saying, because you know, after eight days, he appeared in the middle of where the disciples were, and Thomas was there, and he said, Hey, Thomas, you didn't believe that I resurrected. Why don't you come over here and put your hand in my side and put your hand in the hole in my hand here. Blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. So Jesus is not saying that you can't touch him. He is just telling you that there is a more tangible way of having Christ than just touching his body because he's going to ascend to heaven. You and I are left, and the way that people will touch him are through our witnesses. And your witness, your sharing of the gospel is what will touch people. You will be the hand that caused people to feel Jesus. Or rather, your witness, your evangelism, your witnessing of the gospel is how people will touch Jesus. That's how we touch Jesus. Our worship is what we touch Jesus. Have you come to the point in worship when your worship to God reaches God? You will. If the power of the gospel operates in you, when you worship, when you get to the level when the power of God is emanating through you, not only you will touch Jesus, but the heart of the people will band together as one unit. That is the power of Jesus Christ. The created power to heal is when someone is sick, I put my hand on her and I pray for her, and the power of the Word of God will heal her. This is the created power to heal. Saving your souls, I can put my hand on her all day long and it's just going to get sweaty. Nothing will happen to her. Saving a soul is the work only God can do. That is the power of the gospel. Only God can save the soul. We can pray, but God is the only one. Salvation is of the Lord. Potential power. What is, how can that power be manifested in you? Or how can you store that power? Can you see electricity in nature? Lightning. You have a phone, you take out your battery, you, the way for you to power that phone is you find where lightning is striking and you go. Would that be a good idea to power up your phone? Aren't you thankful for someone to take all that energy and put it into a battery and then put it into your phone so that wherever you go you have power? You are, each one of us can store the power of God. We are the mobile power generators. We are God's storage of power. God's power operates through us. Jesus says this, Ye are the light of the world. How does light work? It requires power. Light requires power. Jesus, you are the light of the world, meaning you need to have the power of God operating in you. 
the power of the gospel has to operate in you for you to shine. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. You have the power of the gospel in you, and therefore you can shine. Light up the world, the gospel in you. So how do you light up? It is in Acts chapter 8, verse 18 and 20. The apostles was laying hand on people. The Holy Ghost came down. If you have never experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you won't be able to understand what's going on here. When the Holy Spirit come on you, I didn't know anything about God. I went to a camp. They talk about God. And then at the end, there's something inside of me. The Bible tells you when Peter preached a message, and it was just a simple message. It was that Jesus Christ was this person. He lived. He died. He resurrected. He was the only one that had life, and you killed him. You need to repent. He will forgive you. That was Peter's message. Very different than the gospel message you hear today, right? How to live, what to do. The gospel message is very straightforward. Who Jesus was, what he did, and what's going to happen. I heard a similar message. And just like what happened in Acts chapter 2, it says that their heart was pricked. You want to draw blood, you poke, and then blood comes out. That's pricking. That their heart was pricked. There was something that caused them to turn. Shock, getting out of whatever they were thinking. Well, the same thing happened to me. I heard the gospel and my heart was pricked. It didn't make sense to me, but something happened to me. So I went up there and he said, what do you want to pray for? I don't know God, so I don't know what I want to pray for. What happened subsequently was the power of God. When I regained consciousness after the prayer, I lost all interest in life. All my interest in all my friends, what I have been doing with my friends, I lost all interest in all those things. The only interest I had at the time of the power of the Holy Spirit came on me was I need to go and tell people about what happened to me. There's this power that came upon me and I want to share that to everyone. That is what happened in this story. And when Simon saw, he's one of the magicians, he saw that the disciples were putting their hands on people and then the Holy Spirit come and then they completely changed. Transformative power that happened in people and this is what happened. And when Simon saw through the laying on of the apostles' hand and the Holy Ghost was given, he offered money and said, give me also this power. The disciples, when they put their hands on people, power of God came. And Simon's like, can I buy it? Can I give you money so that you can give me this power that I can lay hand on people? And listen to what Peter says. But Peter said unto him, your money die with you. Because you thought that the gift of God is something that you can buy. You can't buy power. You can't buy the ability to give power. You need to get right with God. You need to have the right heart. Is your heart right with God? 
You need to have the right faith. Are you believing in the right things? And thirdly, do you have the right teaching? Do you have the right doctrine? Are you sitting under the right teaching? If you don't, power is going to be a destructive force on you. We need to understand how power works. Otherwise, bad things will happen to you. When you play with power and you don't know the power of God, what happened happened to Saul. The spirit left him, and an evil spirit. It's a different kind of power that will come on you. The shocking power. The power that caused you to do crazy things. And we all witness people do crazy things. We need to have the right heart, the right faith, the right teaching, so that the power of God can rest on us. Some of you might have witnessed people who have acted powerfully in the Lord. But that you examine their life and you go, hmm, something that's not right with this person. How come Christ is not glorified? How come Jesus is not proclaimed? The Bible tells you there are two distinctions between how God operates. The power of God can come and transform a person, making a person into an instrument, a messenger for the gospel. Or, the power of God can come into a person and influence that person to do extraordinary things, like, for example, betray Jesus. Same power, different outcome. One is the transformative power of God that changed completely who you are. One temporarily changed you to do a specific thing and then left you without power. How do you get power? There's only one way to get power. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities, my weaknesses. And here's what he said that the power of Christ may rest on me. He works through humility. You remember the story of Samson? When was the power of God greatest in his life? He lost his sight. He lost all of his ability. He didn't know even he could do anything. And then he said, God, would you have mercy on me? The power of God comes. Power of God does not come when we are so prideful, we think that we can take on the world. Power of God doesn't come then. It comes when you humble yourself. Most gladly, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities, that the power of Jesus Christ may rest upon me.